Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello there. Welcome to Back to Basics. I'm Leticia Latino, your host. And today I have a special friend with me, Sheila Bangalore. She's a board member, public company C-level executive, chief strategy officer, general counselor, investor, and really a power woman. And I'm so lucky and honored, Sheila, that you have said yes to coming to Back to Basics. Hello. Good morning or good afternoon, actually, uh, nearing good afternoon for you. Letty, um, it is just a pleasure. And I really applaud all of the things that you're doing with Back to Basics and really delighted to be here as a guest on, on your podcast. Oh, well, you know, the audience is probably now saying, well, she should be the host because with that voice that you have, you make me look terrible. <laughs> you have an amazing voice for these things. So you should be doing one of these daily for sure. <laughs> Thank you. This is why we love you. Let these no, no. I, and the love is mutual. So I'm just going to share, you know, with the audience, a little background. We met through a friend of ours, dear friend Pinar. So let's give her a shoot out. She hasn't been on the show. But, you know, uh, since the moment I, I met you, uh, Sheila, you have been in awe, inspired by you. And I say you belong in my show because every time I have a chat with somebody that inspires me, I can only hope that it inspires a little bit somebody in my audience. And that's why this show started. So I'm pretty sure that when we start talking about you, everybody's going to say, oh, yes, she belongs here. Huh. Well, first of all, I mean, I think uh, you're absolutely right to to high five Pinar. She's she's a powerhouse in her own right. And, and I think that the collisions, that conversations, and that folks like her inspire are you know, really fantastic. I mean, I still remember the first time you and I chatted and she said before we chatted, she said, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Leticia. She's an amazing CEO. She's, she's an author. She's a mom. She's, she, she just started running through your unbelievable qualities. And of course, when we met each other, I, I can feel the fabulous, this fabulous energy that you emit, regardless of sort of where you are. And I think it's so important, right? To And this is why I think we connected in part was because I think we both deeply believe in collision creation, right? The reality is that the planet is small. And I think that as many collisions as we can help inspire, you just never know what comes out of that, right? And so I'm in awe when I hear about the forward collisions that are created as a result of, you know, folks like you and me getting together or or our friends getting together or downstream folks that we wouldn't even have imagined they get together as a result of, again, all of these collisions. And then the business that's generated, the investment, right, that's spurred, the new jobs it creates, right? Like this is the power of, I think, relationships. It's the power of collision. It's the power of, of strong energy kind of coming together and saying, how do we improve things um, around us? I'm constantly inspired by this collision. So yeah, when I go, when we met, I immediately thought, gosh, I know she lives on one coast and I live on the other, but wow, she's powerful. Absolutely. And the, you know, the admiration is mutual. And I know that 
just by saying that, I know people are thinking, ah, pollution creation and that strong energy and that, you know, all those great things that we can feel, we cannot put a name on it, but they exist. And sometimes people go with what they can see. And we forget that what we cannot see sometimes is even more powerful. Well, sometimes no, it's more powerful than what we can see. And that sometimes we should follow that, you know, energy that, as you call it. So, but let's follow this conversation back a little bit. Let's backtrack a few years because I, I am really interested in, in hearing about, you know, your early years. Because a woman that has achieved the amazing things that you have achieved definitely must have had a fascinating background and it might not mean that it's perfect because if we learn something back to basics is sometimes you know people that have the most incredible powerful inspiring stories really didn't get an easy beginning I don't know which one it is but I'm always interested because one way or the other we have learned that it turns out for the best of what the way it should be so tell us about where you were born, your family years, and most importantly, what you dreamt about becoming when you were a child. And 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 let's see how it all played out. Well, it's funny. So this is a, well, something we share in common is that I um, I hail from Miami. So I was born and raised there, but I'm ethnically Indian. And so, you know, ethnically, just like many of my Latina friends, right? I have olive skin and 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 darker hair. And so I blended... I think really well and frankly felt really at home in the Latino culture, right? So I, um, while I grew up speaking my native language, which is Konkri, it's a dialect, an Indian dialect, you know, there wasn't, at least at the time I was growing up in Miami, there wasn't this vibrant Indian community that there is now. And so I was, but I was really fortunate to lean into the Latina culture, which just like the Indian culture is incredibly family oriented, is very supportive right? Our homes, I mean, we, 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 culture is such a critical piece of, of our home life, right? So the food, the, the, what you're, what you're listening to, the cacophony of noises, right? There's constantly noise and but you true. Can't solace in that noise, right? Like it's comforting to walk into a Latina home just as it is an Indian home and hear this like constant din, you know, you just sort of feel like, okay, I'm home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I always felt really comfortable and it was, uh, so I picked up Spanish, of course, I was learning it formally in in school, but then um, really picked up conversational Spanish with speaking with abuelas and with, you know, going to quinceañeras and like spending time with and everything else. And so I, I really got a chance to embrace that culture and all of what it offered. But here's the thing, and I think that I think the, the reason why, you know, my parents are immigrants to this country, well-educated immigrants, but immigrants nonetheless. And I think that when you have a connection to that, right, um, or your parents are immigrants or or somehow, you know, there's a strong desire to just sort of, there's a grit, right? Mm-hmm. There's persistence, there's a determination. And my parents were um, incredibly hardworking. They still are very focused, right? There wasn't an option not to succeed. And so they kept at it. Um, despite accents, despite, you know, all the kind of chips stacked against them, they just sort of kept at it. And so that was a really powerful example as, as someone who is a young kid, kind of watching your parents, right, who who were just every day put one foot in front of another, kept working. There were three of us at home. And so I think me and my brothers learned, had this really powerful example from our parents, which was just don't quit um, whatever you do. Keep putting one foot forward. Life's going to give you setbacks, right? There are going to be things that you don't like, but you, your outlook needs to be optimistic and positive. 
And ideally you embrace as many things and as people as possible. So both, both my parents were physicians and were residents actually at the time that I was born. So they were working, you know, 80 plus hour work weeks at the time. There wasn't, um, there weren't sort of the protections in place today with respect to medical residents and how much or how little they could work. And so my mom, you know, I think worked actually until the day that I was born. I mean, literally uh, was a chief resident at Jackson Memorial Hospital. Mm. Said, I think I'm going into labor today. And, <laughs> and then there was me. Oh, there you go. You know, that's how, I, and I think too, I had example of really powerful women in my home, right? So while my mother was very educated, my grandmothers both were not. In fact, their education stopped around between 12 and 14. They were married, young, fully arranged marriages, and then they had a lot of children. But I will tell you, having, I was really fortunate that I met both my grandmothers. I never got a chance to meet either of my grandfathers. They were in oh. India. Yeah, but what powerful women. I, you know, when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in India. And my grandmother, because she knew I was trying to learn Hindi, would send me <laughs> weekly those books, right? Mm-hmm, that you, mm-hmm. where you're teaching first graders how to trace script. Yes, yes, yes. Language. So every week I could count on a package. She was in a different city than I was. I was, I was actually in Bangalore. This was before my last name was Bangalore. And she would send me something every week. And she strongly, she so strongly believed in education and making sure that her children, you know, could stand by their education that she, that it, at the time in India, I mean, it, it's, it's more common now, but at the time in India, it was pretty uncommon to have daughters as physicians, but she, that was something that was really important, right? Was that stressing that each and every child of mine deserves an education if they want one. And so my mother was 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 the effect of of my grandmother's will, just like my other grandmother was determined that her seven children, she was widowed early and she was determined that her seven children all be really well educated. So all of my dad, my dad and his six sisters are all physicians. And it's saying something, right? Because when you're just determined to do something, you do it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Don't let life get in the way. Looking at my grandmothers and looking at my parents and saying, okay, like I come from this line of very determined people mm-hmm. um, that rubs off. And to be honest, I think it's been, I, I've read this, the most amazing book and I highly recommend it to anybody um, in your, that listens to your podcast. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, she mm-hmm. was a fantastic tenured professor award and a MacArthur Fellowship Award awardee. And um, she talks about that importance of perseverance, right? Failing forward, right? The idea that it's not just smarts, but also working hard and that right combination that pulls you forward. In fact, relying strictly on smarts doesn't always get you places, but it's what do you do when you fail? And how quickly do you pick yourself up? And how quickly do you get back in that saddle and attack whatever that issue is again? Again, I, I look back at my life and I think, okay, well, I, you know, I knew, I mean, I was determined to be pretty well educated because you just, I just didn't know, you know, where was I going to live? What was I going to do and, and how my path is going to unwind and move forward. Right. And what, what that, what path would follow. I born and raised in Miami. I live between Las Vegas and Laguna beach now, mostly in Las Vegas though. You know, I, I don't know that I would have thought necessarily about law school when I was a kid, right? Like mm-hmm. that, wasn't, that was something that as I got more and more involved in studying and realized, gosh, I really like telling stories and I really like speaking with folks. And I really also like helping support folks via creative ideas and thinking about new and different ways to attack a deal or transaction. And so as I, as I moved through life, you know, law school sort of became 
a natural thing for me. Loved practicing law, did it for a long time, um, about, have been doing it for about 20 years. And then, you know, in my 40s, went back and and got the MBA because I wanted to then be able to tell more data-driven stories, right? How do I incorporate finance into the stories I can tell? And how do I learn and understand the the language of numbers better than I did before, right? Mm-hmm. I look at a balance sheet and have it tell me a story. And how can I then talk to management teams, et cetera, and, and work with management teams to help enhance the way that that story is told, right? And so... Um, and my path has been a bit, it's taken some twists and some turns, but it's its put me in exactly the place I need to be. And so I'm, I feel really fortunate to be on the path I'm on and, and to be excited about what, you know, what stories unfold as my path continues. I mean, I get to meet really cool women like you and, and daily I interact with, with just amazing people. I'm, I'm pretty intentional though, about putting those, putting the right ty- types of people in my life and and how I spend time because, you know, time, regardless of if you're a billionaire or a pauper is something we all don't get back. Right. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. On that spectrum. So um, spend your time in the, in the way that, you know, where you are constantly in awe, constantly excited about what's next, right. Constantly in, in a way that you're using sort of your best superpowers to enhance whatever it is that you're doing, right. Whatever challenge it is that you're facing. Mm-hmm. I, I, so much of that. I love that. I love that. But I, don't you think that that's probably one of the places where people get stuck? Like, how do you know? Like, how do I get excited? Like, I, I speak with people that they say, I used to love my job. And now every time I, you know, put my my hand on the handle of the door, like I'm shaking because I'm not enjoying it. And and I think there's something that's happening. And I don't know where to put the finger on, but I think now we that the what you asked what you mentioned being intentional is becoming more important than ever. Like yeah. I think in the past, maybe you know, we we allow opportunities to guide us and drive us. And so I ended up, oh, they offered me this job and that's where I jumped, but really without a lot of intentionality behind it. Mm-hmm. But I think right now to really to take control of your life, which Sounds like you've been in control because you had, you were a lawyer, you enjoyed, you know, your, your career, but then you say, oh, maybe I, I want to learn about numbers. And there's a certain curiosity that I'm sure was driving that. Like, I always very curious about how do we ignite that? And part of this podcast is that what's your take on how somebody that doesn't feel the excitement can reignite that in themselves? I think it's being intentional about the environments you create for yourself and the environments that you then, um, and or the environments that you end up sort of jumping into, right? So for me, going to business school in my 40s was transformational. Yes, it was something that I thought about since law school. But to be honest, I was emerging from law school with debt. There was this fantastic job that was sort of waiting for me. I was excited to go sort of start my career as a you know baby M&A lawyer. I figured at the time in my early 20s that if at the MBA was going to be something I did, I could do it later on. You know, fast forward and then kids happen and, and moves happen and life happens and mortgages happen. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't a right time until at some point I told myself, well, this has to be the time or or there isn't going to be a time because keeping that, right? Having that weight, it, it's opportunity cost, right? It, it's something else that I can't focus on because I'm focused on X, whatever mm-hmm. that is. 
or whoever. And so either you're going to do something about it or not. And baby steps are fine, right? But if you're not, then free yourself from that because again, time's finite. So there are lots of other cool things I could be doing. But this for me was something that was really important. And I have to tell you, it was transformational to do it at the time that I did it. I think had I been a little bit younger, to be quite frank, I don't know that I would have been as engaged, as motivated, as inspired um, by the people that were around me. And, you know, it was hard because I had to relearn a lot of things that I hadn't touched in a long time. For example, Excel. I mean, I hadn't modeled in Excel since I was in college and now I'm doing it again. And much to the chagrin of my, my, my teammates who were like, we really can we really know how to model pretty well. And I'm like, I know you know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Like, right? Like that's the problem. But here's the thing is that in that environment, I was constantly among catalysts. I was among people that were actively trying to change their dynamic, whatever that was, be it a new job, a new role, a new, a new piece to sort of what their day-to-day looked like. And it, it was really, it's difficult not to be inspired when you're in an environment like that. And for me, it was business school, right? I mean, that's that's what it was. But I think we we can take charge of our environments on a daily basis and can sort of do that for ourselves. So you and I are part of a group and I we were talking about this before we started the podcast today, but I realized that I'm incredibly inspired by powerful women. Um, I love hearing stories. I love sharing tips. I like understanding their life hacks. I like working with them. I like trying to figure out ways that we can work with one another. And so I was really inspired at one point to, because I was, I, I travel a lot between my venture partner role and my board roles and some of the advisory stuff that I do. And I kept having conversations with these amazing women. And I thought, gosh, it'd be so neat for me to begin to connect dots and put all these folks together in the same room, right? I mean, and we all live all over the places, you know, some of us live in London, some of us live in Miami, some of us live in the West Coast, some of us live in New York. I mean, we're really spread out. But I think that as we grow in our careers and grow kind of in life as mothers, as sisters, as businesswomen, as investors, et cetera, I think it's so helpful to have, you know, peers that you can connect with that are going through for various reasons, either a similar or a dissimilar situation, and that you can benefit from having that knowledge, right? So that these are mistakes perhaps, or or challenges that you either don't encounter or may perhaps opportunities that you didn't think about that maybe now you need to be thinking about, right? And so it's been, for me, really inspiring actually. Now I think we're a group of, what started as a group of 10 has now grown to a group of, I think we're like 42 yes. and growing. And for me, it's become, how do I help democratize access to cap tables, to executive teams and roles, and, and and quite frankly, to boards, right? How can I help inspire some of those collisions that may, that may result in these sorts of outcomes for really powerful, smart women? And so for me, this has become a life mission now. It's not simply, hey, I think this is interesting, et cetera. I'm so constantly inspired by the women that are in our our group and i strongly believe that these women in turn can inspire so many because we're inspiring each other i also think it's really nice to have a a sounding board right Mm -hmm. with other women that are either like me in some ways or completely unlike me in fact i derive so much inspiration i mean if you look at you and i right so you know you're a ceo of a telecom company right like telecom infrastructure company that is based in Florida, that's Latina, that has, that's an author, that's all of these other things, that's a mom, right? Like you do all of these amazing things. I'm 
based in the West Coast. And I've been, you know, I've done totally different things between my background and working in highly regulated spaces, et cetera. But put us together and wait, all of a sudden we figure out we're from Miami. We figure out that, you know, that we have both, we both have a couple of kids and that being a mom's important to us, but we also figure out, oh, hold on a second. We have a bunch of business interests in common. And guess what? There are some people that, um, that I think could be really inspiring for you as you, as you believe that you can connect me with people are incredibly inspiring for me. And all of a sudden, you know, the rising tide lifts all the boats, right? Um, so absolutely. I just believe that if you don't have the environment immediately accessible to you for whatever reason, again, my example of business school, then create the environment for yourself, right? And it's hard to do. It's really hard. It's hard to sort of walk into a room and say, I'm going to create an environment for myself and how do I do it? But if you don't do it for yourself, who's going to, right? If you can, and, and, and the, the good news is, is that you don't need to go into, right into creation of an environment for yourself. There are lots of different avenues that you can use, right? So, but it is always aligning around your interests. So if you're incredibly interested in dolphins and um, the ocean and saving wildlife, et cetera, I can guarantee you that you will find a group that shares that passion. And you may look different, think about things differently, et cetera. But that passion is what is uniting you, right? And that's what's important. So finding the commonalities with people and then figuring out, okay, now, now we're, we, we've got this one base thing that unites us. Now what happens, right? And then leaning in, always leaning into those environments. I, th- I think it's, for me, it's been very transformational. Oh, yeah, no, it's so inspiring. I mean, what you say, creating the environment for yourself, I think that's, so powerful and you know said golden calls it uh finding your tribe i've yeah. said this several times but it's so true and it's uh incredible you know the power that you find you know and and you see this a lot in you know like religions you know like people that go to church and they find this but it w- which you know i'm catholic i i found a group i did a retreat but and i love my you know being spiritual but i cannot be only that and I always, this is a problem I encounter, and you mentioned before, is we have so many identities and dimensions that I, I'm not satisfied if I'm part of a group that the only thing that unites is one dimension. I can get, I can get a little bit of what I need for that, but then I'm compartmentalizing, right? So, but if you're able to find a tribe where you intersect in more than one thing and doesn't have to be religion, but to me, it's enough that somebody's spiritual or has, you know, like to me, because I, I'm, I'm in such a belief of the, of the universe, calling God the universe general. But if I'm with somebody that says, we, you know, complete atheist is very difficult for me. Right. Because I know that's a, a you know a hard thing for me to relate, but besides that, I'm very generalist, you know. So I usually connect easily with people, and uh, I I resist anything that it's only one dimension. And I think that's yeah. what you do very well in the group you are connecting is that people you know can relate to you know some people have kids, some people don't have kids, but those that don't have kids don't have hard feelings because sometimes. There's also groups. And as a woman in business, it happens to me very often. If I speak about the importance of my kids, I've been backlashed by other people like, oh, your kids should understand this or that. And and I understand if you don't have it, you cannot see it from my perspective, which to me, they are my priority. And I want to be a good mom. And I had a housewife as my model. So I don't 
feel bad that I love to treat my husband to a good meal that I cook for him or that I love to keep my house clean. But sometimes we get people get attacked just by being different or by even recognizing that I can be a woman in business. I push for equality, but I also enjoy, you know, being a more traditional version of myself. I look, I think, I think spot on on the multifaceted bit, right? Like that's exactly right. And the reality is, is like you, I actually find cooking to be incredibly cathartic. In fact, give me a great kitchen, give me some ingredients, right? And my ideal Sunday is actually just spending the day cooking a fabulous meal mm-hmm. for my family and for the people that are closest. I would love to do that. If it's, it goes back to time and of course, and this goes back to time prioritization, by the way, but you know, the reality is, is that we are multifaceted. I think that that's what makes us all very interesting. But I also think, to be honest, Lethe, I think that it's, it's also then digging a little deeper. I mean, you talked about intentionality, which is so spot on. What do you, and being honest, what do you do better than other folks? Right. And leaning into that, into that one or two or three things that you do better than anybody else. And, and then letting that sort of be the compass for, for whatever your life choices are, career and otherwise, right? I think too often we don't do that. Going back to your initial analogy about, you know, someone sort of starting the day and they're already kind of trembling because they're, they're not excited about what happens. I, I read this really, I'm in the process actually of rereading it, this really fantastic book called Design Your Life. It's by a couple of Stanford professors and it's New York Times bestseller. It's really excellent. But there's this wonderful analogy that's that's given in one of the chapters of the book, and I hope I don't muck it up too much. But it talks about a guy who, great student, and his mom desired, figured out early on, she's like, I want my son to be a civil engineer. And so he starts running down that path, not really making any decisions, but somebody had made this decision, my son's going to be a great civil engineer. Goes to all the right schools, meets a girl, you know, she's a great civil engineer, so it just reinforces, yeah, I'm totally in the right spot. He goes he gets his degree, goes in 10 years. And, and then 10 years into his job, he's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like, maybe I made the wrong choices and so on and so forth. But now he's 10 years into his job, right? Like really mm-hmm. probably been 15 years. Cause it's like went through the engineering degree and, you know, worked for a little bit as an intern and then, and then now has got this job. So then it's about double clicking. Well, what about my job do I like and not like? And actually the book, which I think it's a great idea prescribes going through a three week to four week exercise. What about my job? What's pros and cons, right? What do I like? What don't I like? And listing it out, right? Being really, really, and being as specific as possible. The end result was this guy realized, now actually I really do like civil engineering, but I, what I don't like is the administrative stuff, all of this, uh, you know, the the pieces of the job that he just didn't, he didn't enjoy the personality, like having this, you know, deal with personalities, et cetera. That wasn't his, his, his skill set. That wasn't what he enjoyed doing. So what the guy ended up doing, which was totally counterintuitive, is actually leaning into civil engineering, getting a PhD in civil engineering, coming out with the PhD. And now what he does is designs very strategic civil engineering projects at at some of the highest levels. He teaches, which he enjoys doing as well, um, I believe. But what he's doing is leaning into his strengths, right? And he's paid really well to do it because that was the other part. Mm -hmm. Frustrated because he wasn't paid enough, et cetera, relative to this role. I just love that, right? I love that idea that you're not stuck. Um, rather, it just means you've got to, or you might, though you might feel stuck, you might feel stuck. But how do you then unstick yourself and being, you know, drilling down, getting pretty tactical and saying, okay, you know, I really like A, B, and C, but gosh, I don't like 
X, Y, and Z. So how do I get rid of X, Y, and Z and lean into A, B, and C? The same is true, I think. I mean, if, if you want to kind of run analogies, I think the same is true about life. I really like A, B, and C person. I Gosh, like every time I'm around X, Y, and Z, I feel like down, right? And so how do you then figure out a way, again, going back to intentionality and time, how do you figure out a way to lean into A, B, and C? Because A, B, and C bring you joy, bring you energy. And how do you feel, how do you figure out a way to, you know, maybe X, Y, and Z are people that you need to continue to interact with for various reasons. That's okay, right? But then how do you be very specific about the ways in which you interact with X, Y, and Z so that you're deriving what you, each one of you needs from each other, right? But you're limiting the sort of negativity or the 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 feelings of negativity that that may otherwise result. I think it's it's constantly thinking about you know how you're spending your time, who you're spending your time with, how you're deriving energy, how you're supporting your superpowers, right? I think it's so important. I think we don't do that enough. And then figuring out the ways like, hey, look, A, B, and C activity are really helping to enhance my superpowers. I really need to lean into that because when I lean into that, there are going to be some amazing things that happen, magical things. I may not know what those are, but I've got to have confidence enough that because I do A, B, and C really well, right? Better than everybody else. Um, and you have to have the confidence to be able to say that, by the way, but I do it really well. So let me lean into those strengths. Because when you lean into those strengths, I, I genuinely believe magical things happen. Mm, that's it. I mean, you have a better voice and you're saying everything this podcast is about. So next week you take it on and you can host it. I love it. I, I totally love it. I, are you sure you don't have like a life coach in, in your vision board somewhere? Because you will be a really good life, life coach, by the way. You're amazing. You know, I have many life coaches. You're one of them. I mean, I, I'm I have what 42, right? Like there, I have so many and I constantly am driving all these inspiring stories and figuring out ways to tweak my life to, um, to enhance it. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, so Sheila, I mean, and you have many different, you are an angel investor, you are on boards, you are a lawyer, you, you really are creating or I, or have designed a life that allows you to be, you know, this amazing energy that you are with so much wisdom. What is exciting you these days? Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you're excited to share? I mean, I know you have the Power Girls group going and I'm very happy to be part of that. And what yeah. else, what are, what are you designing these days? I'm really, so I've, I've been leaning a lot. So, so entrepreneurs really excite me all the time, to be honest. I mean, I love working with startup teams and startups can be, you know, at the inception of, of their company, but also sort of later on, I feel really fortunate to work with, um, with several boards and, and exact the executive teams on these boards and really thinking through kind of opportunities as well as navigating challenge and then figuring out how to come out sort of emerge from that in, in the best possible way for the company. But I, I have to tell you, I'm just fascinated by what's going on with respect to health and healthcare right now. I think that, um, you know, with respect specifically to women's health, I think that there's just some, there's some new and fabulous entrepreneurs that are really thinking about how to challenge or how to, how to derive, right, new solutions that we haven't really thought about. And it's so sad to me that women's health has been sort of a laggard, right? And if you look at sort of the healthcare face generally, we talk a lot about this mm -hmm. in our community, yeah. why the folks that I meet and the people I get to interact with. I mean, we talk a lot about that as well. So it's it's been really great supporting um, some really dynamic female entrepreneurs in that regard. I also, you know, this is one thing I think because I've been really fortunate to have a cool career, right? I've worked across a 
some different industries that I've, you know, I, I never knew I was going to ring a bell on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Oh my God. A bucket list thing for me, you know, working with these really dynamic management teams and boards, I find I learned so much and it, and it really sort of, I get to give and to take, right? So I, I certainly get to impart sort of the benefit of my executive and knowledge and, and education, but then also I get to learn from my fellow board members, from management teams, and I get to mentor. And I, I got to tell you, that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of being a board member. Gosh, other things I'm thinking a lot about is 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 exactly what you're talking about too, right? Which is how do I get to impact right? How do I get to kind of continue to live in impact and stay in mission? And so for me, that really has been about democratizing access. I think it's so important that women participate in all aspects of our kind of capital ecosystem, right? Because I think we all know that diversity for purposes of business is just a, it's a smart decision, but also the business outcomes that result from diversity of thought in the broadest sense, not just specific, it produces real results. And so how can I help democratize, right? Cap tables, right? Bringing new women investors into deals. And just because I think that women investors bring a totally different perspective and a, and a different sensibility to investment, right? Um, I think the same is true for executive teams. I mean, I've been fortunate to work with really fabulous executive teams where, where I've had wonderful leaders. I've also worked on some teams that were not so fabulous, right? So how do I help? How do I help support really excellent um, executive teams? And are there ways that you know more women can can women and others can be brought, other voices can be brought into those? And the same is true for boards. I think it's I, I just think it's critical. I'm I work with the most amazing female board members and male board members, by the way. I'm really fortunate. But how do I end up again just supporting you know more voices and different voices in that room? There's really nothing as impactful in my opinion as as being able to work with a dynamic executive team and then figuring out a way to navigate and 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 mentor and guide and advise those teams it's 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 really the best thing i do yeah these are the things i think about and especially with respect to boards is you know increasingly there are all kinds of headlines that you read and so how do you continue to sort of stay on top of things and navigate some of the the challenges that the challenges and opportunities that come your way especially given you know the way that business continues to evolve right? Think about it. I mean, when I was, when I was growing up, I mean, the internet did not exist nearly in the capacity it, it does now. And now there are all kinds of other things to think about, including cybersecurity and data breach and privacy and all these, these things that we didn't think about before, right? So how do you navigate some of those issues? So I, I really enjoy being around thought leaders and then being able to share opinions, et cetera, as I, as I consume more knowledge and get more doesn't get more inspirational than that. And I'm thankful that we have women like you because I know that being on the board of public companies is not an easy task. So I commend you and congratulate you for that because, you know, the more uh, women like you are there and men that champion the cause, of course, which we've had on the show, that's really when you can prompt change, you know, because I, I, I've been in the situation where I, I've been asked to recommend great women that I know for, for public boards. And, you know, they, they haven't been considered because they've been not on a public board, but if you see their private board experiences, like the top companies in the U.S. And, and so it's been even depressing to me because I say, if this woman whom I greatly admire, who I think she, you know, could be on any board, doesn't even get looked at because she doesn't have prior public, how do you solve the problem? 
because then it's a is you know it's a it's a recurring problem that you never can solve. So it takes somebody to have the trust to put them on the board and all that. So we need those of you that are already there to to fight that fight. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I mean, I've I've been really fortunate to find a lot of champions as I've been continuing to sort of you know work through my board portfolio path, and I'm I feel really lucky to to have really strong voices, both men and women, who are saying. Here's how I think about board service, and here's here here are things that I do. And again, this goes back to what you talked about, right? Which is finding those environments where you're learning, and also getting to share and impart advice. And so, to your point, it's always finding tribes, right? Well, and because we are so multifaceted. So, look, I've got the most unbelievable group of board members who I'm public company and private company board members who have been really helpful to me in terms of how to approach board service, thinking through kind of what my, you know, skill set would be and how I can contribute to board service and, and areas where I can continue to, you know, help support, guide, advise, et cetera. So it's, I'm lucky to have that, but I've also been really intentional about, you know, reaching out and saying, I'd love to get your advice and insight. You know, again, for me, it has been about creating communities for myself where I'm naturally curious, want to lean in, et cetera. And I think the more I do that, um, the more really positive results that have come from it, be it be it through our Power Gals group, be it through the board group, be it through you know the investor circles I belong to, be it be it in the venture capital groups that I belong to. I mean, all of or, and, and the venture capital, me entrepreneurs, et cetera, that I get to interact with. I mean, I'm I like to create groups around me so that I can always lean into these environments because again, it supports further collision creation, but it really also, for someone like me who is a lifelong learner, it really helps feed my natural curiosity and uh, and learning. I love it. I love it. So Sheila, I mean, obviously I'm going to be talking to you offline. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy. Sometimes, sometimes I have these guests that are so inspirational, but we're not friends or nothing. I say, oh, I wish this could go for four hours. You, of course, have an open microphone at Back to Basics. Uh, you know, most of my guests have because they're so amazing that I always feel like, you know, we don't have enough time to talk, but I know I, I will talk to you. But yes. um, since this is a, a show about also staying connected to your true essence in the, in those times where things get hectic and you really are off center and you need to refine your balance, what is the one thing that you go or activity or practice that you have that will help you with that? So I th it's two, well, three. Number one, I lean into the activities which bring me joy. I think that that's a, it's a great reminder of the fact that, you know, we we have the most important thing which we hope, well, hopefully we do have, which is our health and the people that are that are most important to us. So number one, I, I in those moments, I try to lean into joy. It's a solid reminder of how beautiful life is. Number two, and this is something I did for myself a while back, and I highly recommend it to my mentees. I wrote a love letter to myself. I know it sounds a little mm -hmm. strange, but it was something where that, and I revisit it whenever I find I need to, but there are, you know, a handful of experiences, which I'm really proud of that sort of, you know, I can't be taken away if you will. And so when things are looking tough or feeling tough, I'll revisit my love letter and say, okay, I know things are tough, but gosh, that was a crazy time. And I, I remember feeling very lousy and here's what happened. So lean into that. And I think, I think grit recommends that that book grit recommends it, but there's so many wonderful leaders that have a version of this. Um, and I, kept reading it. And as a lawyer, when you keep reading something, it's sort of, 
precedent. So, so that's been wonderful. The third is physical activity of some kind. I find it, and it's sort of a, again, just maybe a reminder of health, but if it's, maybe it's a run or it's a great class or it's um, yoga, it's something that sort of, again, pulls me out, but also just frees me from whatever barrier I've put in front of myself, be it mental barrier I put in front of myself because of a particular situation. But I find that getting out and doing something, I think I've read about this too. It's it's like it's like making your bed every day, right? Like I think there's a famous video of of, of someone saying this, but doing small things um, that show accomplishment, right? So this could also be folding laundry for some people, but there are these little, you know, for me, it could be a run and just a reminder of health, but it just reminds you that, okay, you put one foot in front of another, really positive things can happen, right? Like you've done something. Mm. And sometimes simply that act of doing something can be a trigger for positive trigger for, for whatever is blocking. So yeah, those are three things that I'll pretty quickly try to go to, right? So if I can, leaning into joy, that love letter, I'll revisit. And then some activity, and for me, again, it's usually a health-oriented activity, but some activity that reminds me that if I do it, it's just one step toward one further. I've, I've just made one progressive step. And if I can do it in this other environment, then I can do it, you know, I can do it in whatever environment that's that's causing the block. Well, it takes it takes a, an amazing lawyer to provide probably the most articulated answer to that question. I love it. <laughs> I really love it. Well, Sheila, I mean, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for, I cannot believe how much wisdom you've imparted in this episode, just in talking and sharing who you are. And that's why you're amazing. I'm very, very grateful to Pinar, our dear Pinar, to have yes. connected us. And thank you for, you know, the that work that you do into, into providing connections, more access uh, to other women. And just, you know, I, I, I can tell that it all comes from your honest and pure intention. And I think when things are driven by that, that's really when magic happens. So... Thank you. Thank you so much for creating these opportunities for folks like me, but for all the folks that you that you equally inspire, Letty. I mean, it's just it's really amazing. You were saying that this is the two your um, your two hundredth episode, or you're very close. You're you're biting yeah. the two hundredth episode, and how amazing that that you found right all of these folks to help inspire. And, and that you're providing a platform for all of these different voices. I can only imagine the collisions you've created, right? And the collisions you've created as a result of all the amazing things you do outside of being a CEO and a mom and, and, and. So thank you for um, well, all the uh, things. Well, you know, magic is amazing. And I will share an imparting thought that you will be amazed in all those episodes. Of course, there's some that have resonated more to me because of where I am in my life. And some episodes, I, you know, I thought they were good, but they were. And then you get that text from that episode that you really didn't care that much. But somebody says, thank you. This is what I needed today. And then you realize that what's your every journey is different. And all these people sharing their experiences, somebody out there is going through something very similar that you are going through. And so I'm convinced that by just creating this content, this space, somebody is going to get the message they need. And if that's you today listening to the podcast, I'm very happy. And I thank you for tuning in. And Sheila, thank you again for being part of Back to Basics. Thank you for the invitation, Leti. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.